0: Hello, and welcome to The Double Pivot, the world's most agreeable soccer analytics podcast. I am Michael Cayley. We're here to talk about Manchester United and Ralph Rangnick, but I wanted to get one thing out of the way quickly. We talked about Arsenal a lot recently. They had a very good performance against Newcastle, won by a couple goals, won the XG by a little bit more. Just want to say, we can't really say anything about it because it was one of their better performances, so you kind of have to ignore it. You know, better performances, worse performances, those have to be ignored. So we're basically just going to not talk about that and move on to Ralph Rangnick. I'm joined by Mike Goodman. Uh how you doing? I'm
1: good. If you're here to the music you heard the background is The Whalers. Please like, download, subscribe at Patreon.com/slash Double Pivot. Uh, you can read uh, a, a a study that Kelly wrote uh, inspired by Arsenal about throwing out the outliers in performance, um, and and whether it's useful or not. Last week on the Moussa Dembele level, we talked about that study, and there will be more and similar things in the future. But today we've got a good old-fashioned podcast because Manchester United have officially hired Ralph Ragnick as their interim manager. Uh, It is a little bit of an odd deal, He will spend the rest of this season as interim manager, at which point he will move into a consulting role with the front office. It is not exactly clear what that means, but the understanding is that he would then be involved in personnel decisions, including the next managerial decision going forward. Like, I don't really know what, like, contractually, like, this difference between this consulting role and, like, a director of football role would be, except that I suppose United could just start ignoring him. Like, I, I like I honestly don't know. But um, that's, that's the structure of the deal. It is six months as manager, followed by two years as director of football, which, if you were familiar with Ragnick's career, doesn't actually seem that out of place. And if you are not familiar with Ragnick's career, we will now get you familiar with Ragnick's career.
0: Yeah, so we're going to get into that. I, th- I think it's worth... You know, pausing for a second on the consultant thing. what's what seems clear to me here is that he was not given the director of football gig. And thus what he's been given, could be effectively a director of football gig and it could be not depending on how united's hierarchy feels that day about him and he's given this sort of you know 6 month run with a significant amount of authority kind of to see how well he works with united's hierarchy and to see how the ownership feels about him working with the hierarchy which is weird but for now they've got a i think of just a very good manager
1: yeah i mean i think that like we've never seen him work as like a short short short-term manager before um throughout the course of his career he has had a a handful of like one-year managerial stits but the last couple have come in the context of working with the rb leipzig the, the the red bull project right like there have been, he's the last time he coached, he stepped in for a year from what had been the equivalent of a director of football or whatever role there, because they knew they had Julian Nagelsmann coming in a year to take over, and for the interim year, he just stepped in and coached with Jesse Marsh as his assistant. Um, then he stepped back upstairs, Marsh went to Salzburg to take the managerial job, and then... Uh, Nagelsmann comes in and takes over the, 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 the Leipzig job um, and then Ragnick left to become a consultant basically to work in and around front offices and like teach them how to run soccer teams and like they will pay you to like you know uh, sort of um, offload the running of the soccer team onto somebody who knows how to run soccer teams
0: yeah and so one thing that is very clear from Ragnick's career is that he has been exceptionally successful building teams up through talent acquisition and building structure. You know, I think that the, the the Red Bull job, they basically sort of gave him reign to build that thing, and that thing is one of the single most impressive football structures in the world, probably the most impressive. And previously— Either, either that either kind of did that, did that at Hoffenheim. And previously he did the exact same thing at Hoffenheim with, again— you know, a billionaire giving him a, a a town club, and he built it up into a solid Bundesliga side. This is just something that he is he has done before, and there's really no reason to think he can't do again if, again, he is given the authority to do so, which is not so clear from his contract.
1: Right. So, I, the like the one I don't, I don't I, the one slight caveat here is he's never done it with a team that has, um the magnitude of resources of Manchester United. I don't think that that's like a cause for concern, particularly. I mean, like by the time he he was done with the Red Bull Empire, Leipzig were the second or third, depending on how you look at it, richest and most resourced team in the Bundesliga. Um, But they weren't number one or 1A, right? And and Manchester United are. So that is a difference.
0: Yeah, and and he didn't come into a team which has a whole bunch of stars that have to be turned into a coherent team and that is going to be a different job managing and eventually it will also be a different job director of footballing because there will be a process of cutting and transferring which isn't something that he has had to do in the same fashion
1: all right so let's talk about what ragnick is is on the field right like like, let's talk about what a ralph ragnick team looks like when they're Playing the way he wants them to play. Because I'm not. It's one of those things where you say press and everybody has an idea, but there are like a lot of different ways a team can press, and there are a lot of different, like you can press towards a lot of different ends. And so I think it's just worth talking about like, what is Ralph Rung's pressing style?
0: Yeah, so as we were saying with Rangnick, over the last few years, he's only picked up a couple of short-term coaching gigs. So, we have limited data and all of it is um, none of it is obviously representative of exactly what Rangnick wants to do as a manager, but the two seasons that we have good data from, the, uh, the R- his RB Leipzig team in 2018-2019 and his Hoffenheim team in 2010-2011 paint a picture of a manager who is clearly a pressing manager, but who is much less of a pressing-to-attack manager, and interestingly, in these seasons at least, less of a pressing-to-possess manager. So we're not looking at stats that look a lot like Jurgen Klopp's, or that look a lot like Thomas Tuchel's. Now, Klopp, you'd kind of like, if you're looking at coaching trees, that would kind of make sense. Klopp's pressing style did not come directly out of the Ralph Rangnick coaching tree. Tuchel's did. Tuchel played for him in the third division, in in, in the third division in Germany at Ulm. And And Tuchel says that he learned a lot about sort of ball control and possession play from Rangnick. So, you know, he has a story that he gets these ideas from Rangnick, and maybe he does. We have limited data. But what we have at Leipzig and at Hoffenheim are teams that only had slightly above-average possession. His uh, Leipzig team actually attempted fewer passes than the opposition did, They but they did complete more of them. They did have more possession because they broke up play so efficiently. But they were not pressing super, super high to do this. They were denying passing lanes and winning the ball, primarily as a defensive strategy. And this is also what his Hoffenheim team looks like. They were one of the highest pressing teams in Germany. But it led to more shots from outside the penalty area and, again, more of a defensive approach. So that's what we have in the data. What we have in the data is something that looks, honestly, quite a bit like a Ralph Hassenhudl Southampton team. Quite a bit like a team whose press functions primarily to blow up what the other team wants to do. And then when they have the ball, they do move it quickly with short passes. Again, not a long passing team at all. Very, very low rates of long passing, but not as incredibly direct and, you know, hyperspeed as a Roger Schmidt team, which wins the ball fast and and moves the ball through short passing moves, but moves them incredibly directly and takes a lot of risks to get there. His team looks like they move the ball directly, but like a Hassenhudel team, they don't take a lot of risks, and so their quick forward passing ends up breaking down a lot because they're not taking risks with their defensive structure in order to do it. That's what we see in both the Hoffenheim and the Leipzig years. Again, individual seasons can be weird. But, like, I look at those numbers and they look a lot like Rolf, Rolf Hasenhutl's Southampton.
1: And Well, I mean, it shouldn't really be surprising that that, <laughs> that Rognick's style looks like Hodels given that, you know, Rolf Hasenhutl moved into the upper levels of sort of elite management, taking over the RB Leipzig t- side in the lower divisions and moving them up through into the Bundesliga. Like, that was his his sort of claim to fame and his original success was before he moved to Southampton, was doing that. I mean, Hasselhoedl is very directly of the Ralph Rangnick school. So, I mean, I, I do think that there is a lot to take from this in terms of, like what are Rognick's first principles in terms of what he wants his teams to do, and that you can you can sort of look at Hasenhutl and say, well, here was a manager that found lots of success with Leipzig because he was like, effectively able to execute Rognick's first principles. Now, is Rognick going to look to build, either this year or in the future, a United side that operates in exactly that way? I have my doubts. I think when you, you know... I think a little bit about sort of the move of analytics from the Oakland Athletics to the Red Sox and Yankees. It's like there are things you do when you are looking to have an edge because you are competing with somewhat less resources. And then there's what it looks like when you take those things that you were doing in the context of not having resources and add resources to it. And and so my supposition would be that, no, you're going to look at, at, at a Rognick team if he's able to, kind of do what he wants successfully at United. And they're going to be a team that is more willing to work for good shots with the ball because they will have more talented midfielders and more talented defenders who can effectively defend and sort of eat some more possession risk without becoming unbalanced. That would be my guess.
0: Yeah, it, it's it's very easy to imagine taking a Rolf Hasenhutl sign. Again, Hasenhutl at Southampton is also dealing with significantly limited talent and a team that keeps not buying him better players. And so, you know, if this is your style and this is... And, like, I think that one way of saying is, what are the first principles? And I think what is clear is that the first thing that Ronick will want to do is to have the team press in a manner that prevents the other team from doing what they want to do. That is the thing that Rangnick's football seems to do inevitably. And then the question is... What do they build on top of that? Because once you have a press that disrupts the opposition team and you have skilled players, you should be able to evolve it perhaps in a Tuchel direction where that press that disrupts what the opposition wants to do then is useful for building into possession. And you start building slowly with possession. You hold the ball. You strangle the games like that as well. Or you can develop it in a more Schmidian direction where you are looking to win the ball and then take some more risks to move quickly because you have higher quality players back that can still maintain your defensive structure even as you take somewhat more risks with your quick passing counterattacks. Either of those is possible. It's not clear from the data which it will want to be and exactly how he will implement this with United is strange. I I think that there was a story in uh, Rafa Hanekstein's profile, which was quite good, At The Athletic, where—and this is the story that Rangnick tells, and we should always be wary of the myth-making of managers. But the story that Rangnick tells is that what was transformative for him was when he was a player, they happened to have a friendly against Lobanovsky's Dynamo Kiev and saw the way that Kiev played, and then he went and observed them, like, traveled to Ukraine to observe them, and travel wherever he could to observe them, and watch how they play.
1: Who in their right mind would travel to Ukraine, I ask you? Yeah, it's it's
0: not a believable story, to be honest.
1: No, not in the slightest. Um... (laughs)
0: And that, that that those teams, and then he also talks about Arigosaki's Milan as as a team that and that, with no direct connection here. He just says that he watched videos of them, and both of those were managers who utilized the press significantly as a defensive plan. You know that that is how one of the ways that pressing comes into the bloodstream of football is absolutely through Lobanovsky and. Saki, and he is connecting himself very directly to that lineage, which is one of the things that makes it sound a little bit myth like if you know the history, you want to be more directly a part of it. He, he, he's a part of it either way, whether he, whether all of that stuff exactly happened or not, and I think that those would be reasonable influences, however direct. But in both cases, those styles of pressing were very significantly based on restricting what the other team could do and restricting the space the other team could play in. And so it makes sense, if that's the story he's t- telling, and if that's where his influences come from, that that would be the first principle, would be that the press restricts the space the other team can play in and restricts the other team's ability to do what it wants to do, res- restricts the quality and, and number of chances the other team can produce.
1: Okay, so let's, let's take this now, let's zero this in on United specifically. How does this happen here? I mean, I think there are, I, I think there are some areas in the pitch where, like, I'm not sure it's a huge problem to to like try to implement this. I, I mean, I think that that, for example, somebody like Fred in midfield will be super comfortable with this system. You know, with the, with these with the, these kinds of asks. Um, even McTominay, I, I again, like, I think that these are these are two guys who are positionally – so here's the question, right? Like, I would say both Fred and McTominay are somewhat positionally unsound in both in and out of possession, but quite good physically in and around the ball. And then they have some other sort of differing strengths. Like, Fred is is pretty good at progressing the ball himself. McTominay is pretty decent at getting forward without the ball. But both of them are kind of deficient in in their positioning, like off the ball as an objective thing. If that is a thing that can be coached and taught and the issue is that nobody has coached them over the course of their careers in this or they were not receiving instruction currently, like, that seems like a thing that Ralph Ragnick can come in and fix. I'm not sure where that falls. Like, the, the world is littered with big men who if they only had a jumper, jumper would be good and, like, you just can't teach them a jumper. Like, so that's one part of it. I think the defensive personnel is fine, basically like i I can't imagine you're gonna come in and like look at the defensive units and think this is a problem. I think the wings are probably fine with Sancho and Rashford and like I mean as your as your your top two choices there, like I think that that's fine and 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 maybe we'll we'll see Greenwood playing there as well. um you know, a lot of Leipzig use kind of like a four, two, two, two. And you can imagine Greenwood being in either the front two or the supporting two. And, and like, depending on how Rognick sees him and that working, you can actually imagine all of Rashford's show and Greenwood, for that matter, being in, in, in either of those two roles. Um, the sort of big elephant in the room is like, what do you do with Cristiano Ronaldo?
0: Yeah, and I mean Ronaldo this season as as we've talked about before is having a historically limited off-ball and even on-ball performance. Other than shots where he is still significantly above average, um you know, well above average, one, one of the best in the league, maybe just not like, you know, super duper star numbers. Other than that, he is not pressing at all. He's pressing less than any other forward pretty much in world football. And he is also doing far, far less ball progression and passing and receiving the ball, and especially running the ball forward than previous that than he previously had. Not historically, not you know incredibly low among all players, but Ronaldo used to be a player that did a sufficient amount of that for his teams. And obviously when he was very young, he was a he was a superstar in in, in, in ball progression via carries. And so if some of that is recoverable with a coach asking him to do things and a coach managing his workload, then maybe he can fit. If it's not recoverable, Ralph Ragnick has a history of saying, this guy doesn't do enough work for me. He's going to go. You know, he, he his, his, uh, this is again from the Honigstein piece, but his, his job at Stuttgart, which was sort of one of the first like big teams that he got a chance to, to, to work with, he ended up getting sacked after fighting with management about whether he could play, whether he was allowed to bench a a slow-moving 10. And I don't think that if 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 Ronaldo can't do that stuff, Rangnick strikes me as the kind of manager who is not going to stand for it. As And, and his system, it doesn't seem to me, it would be very interesting to see a Rangnick system which has a carve-out role for a pure shot-getter who doesn't really press and doesn't really combine in possession. Like, that would be a very new thing. Maybe he'd want to do it, but like, it strikes me more likely that he would just say, no, this is going to limit our defense, so we're not going to do
1: it. What's kind of fascinating is that this, what, the, what the system has had in the past is a role for exactly the opposite, a, a, a forward who operates as a target man and a link man for whom shot getting is somewhat optional. Um, Yusuf Poulsen has sort of occupied this role at Leipzig for years now under several managers, including Rodnik himself, where he would be this sort of, you know, when, 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 you, you, know, when, when you think about uh, progressing the ball up the quick, field quickly, there's sort of this idea where you go up, back, and through. And, and and Poulsen would be the linchpin of that, where the ball would go up to him, he would lay it off to an onrushing midfielder, and one of those midfielders would play th- through to, like, Timo Werner running in behind. So there's this carve-out in this system for a, a, a player who does a lot of the non-shot stuff that you could envision somebody occupying. But, like, Timo Werner on those teams, when they were, like, the best versions of Timo Werner, was was it incredibly industrious, you know, off the ball, both working backwards as a pressing, pressing from the front defensive presence, but then also as a runner off the ball and distributor from wide positions, right? Like a lot of his running in behind would be, you know, in that half space basically in the channel and then he would either finish the move himself or distribute to somebody else who was filling in in the box and we just like, that is just not what Ronaldo is. Even when he runs the channel to some degree, and he does, it's for himself to try to get behind the defense and get his own shot. There's very, very little facilitation in his movement. Um, and I just, I like, I don't know how this is going to end. I think it's going to be fascinating to watch. I don't know how it's going to end.
0: Yeah, and just to sort of follow up on what you said about the midfielders, and I think that, like, exactly the question with McTominay and Fred is how much of their possession games can be developed by a manager and a structure. I would say, though, that like if you think about like midfielders who can do a lot of work, a lot of running, very defensively solid, not great possession players— that sounds like kind of midfielders that Ralph Hasenudel has been working with for years at Southampton in a very effective defensive pressing style. Like I think that like a lot of these guys can be very quickly transformed into defensive pressing players, and then the question of how do you then upgrade, how do you build beyond that defensive pressing style with these players, or can you? Do you need new players? Is the question that you ask. But if Rongnick's first principle is building in that defensive press. I don't think that those guys are a problem. The question is whether they become a problem we try to build from there.
1: I mean, look, I mean, like, at the end of the day, you're looking at Fred and being like, well, if he could just, like, pass, like, Pierre McCoyberg, like, then... Or Diego Demi. Or Diego Demi. Like, then you have a better player than those two guys. And, And... like, I, I I honestly believe that that if you were going to look at this collection of midfielders complete, with their deficiencies um, and say, how do we get the most out of them? It is a, a, a Rognick-type system, except for Pogba, except for Paul Pogba, who I think is, like, this is not to say that Pogba has never in his career done this. Because you can hearken back to... The earlier period of, of, of Juventus. Not not his last year or maybe his last two seasons there. But, like, when the team was clearly Andrea Pirlo's and you had runners around Pirlo to, like, ease the load on Pirlo. Like, but this is a long time ago now for Pogba. And I don't know. I mean, can Yeah, he, like, like yeah. Hassan
0: Houdel has, uh, sorry, Hassan Like I'm just so stuck on yeah. him. Uh, wrong Nick has used guys like Kampel and Forsberg when he was at Leipzig. Like Rongnick uses you know players who can press and do a lot of ball progression and distribution. There are creative. There's there's a lot of roles for creative players in his systems. Um, they have a lot of pressing responsibilities, and so I think that both Bruno and Pogba, you can see ways that they could work for him, and 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 but like both of them, you know. I don't know. There's and he again. He's not someone who's been wedded to a formation. I think that we shouldn't like think like four two 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 suddenly comes up. Four two 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 does oddly fit this team if you could yeah, make I it work. So. Like like especially if you used the two as the um you know this he sort of used creative half mids when he was at Leipzig. So the two were pretty narrow and did a lot of creation like. You can imagine, like, you know, Bruno and and Pogba in those roles with, like, Sancho and Rashford ahead of them and Mc, and McFred behind them as a relatively coherent expression of what he wants to do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that that is right. I, I'm not sure if Pogba fits. Uh, I'm not sure if, like... I mean, Sancho could play as one of the two behind the front two as well. I think quite comfortably, and you could play if, if you felt that you had to play Ronaldo and Rashford further forward. Um, all of it is it, like it's all an interesting thought experiment, and I think that like there's a real chance we'll just sort of see a more traditional four two three one, um, where like Pub was just left out because your three is, is Fernandez, Sancho, and Rashford, and like that's. Quite a good three. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, you're not you're not reaching there, you know? Um and and I do have a hard time seeing Pogba work in this system as part of the double pivot, as part of a midfield two. Like, I don't like you know, I think I think right now what we see what we've seen is Fred and McTominay, you know, the McFred double pivot play in a way that Clearly, their deficiencies are elevated over what they do well. And I imagine in a Reilly, you know, team, you'll look at them and say, they can be upgraded. But they are not the thing holding the team back, um, would be my guess.
0: Yeah, I think that's about
1: right. And so it's
0: maybe worth talking a little bit about the uh, the United-Chelsea game. Because, you know, they drew and they benched Ronaldo. But this was I thought an extremely unranknick style of effective, semi-effective United.
1: I mean, they tried to press to some degree. Um, although, like, I think them trying to press to some degree is only like, you know, dealing with the the, the exceedingly lowered expectations of the Ole era. Um, like you take out Ronaldo so and then you do try to get up the field and defend against Chelsea and keep Jorginho from getting on the ball and like obviously you score the goal at this one moment where Jorginho messes up and you capitalize so it sort of shines a light on it but like for the most part they weren't able to stop Chelsea from doing whatever Chelsea wanted to do for the the most part of this match
0: exactly What, what they mostly did was that they had three defensive midfielders and McTominay could run forward a little bit, and Fred especially could run forward with the ball at his feet a little bit. But they really had three defensive midfielders. And then they also had the fullbacks relatively deep, and they just had a lot of bodies back. And those bodies were not, I think, terribly effective. They ended up being effective at preventing good chances, but tons of chances fell in the penalty area. Chelsea were able to get into the penalty area again and again. For shots or for moves that could have been shots. And United, with all of those bodies back, defended very well in the penalty area, such that very few of those shots were really, really good chances. Other than the hudson Adoy chance in the third minute, you basically then you're going to, like, you know, from from hudson Adoy in the third minute to Rudiger having a volley at the very end of the game, which, like, you know, if, if you're going to have a, a clear chance fall to somebody, like a volley to a central defender is a pretty good option. They were there for every chance. But that is a extremely sort of park-the-bus approach, which is not Rongnik's defensive approach at all. So, like, I think that they may have been intending to press more. I agree, they tried to press. But for the most part, this looked like just have a defensive structure and have bodies. And it worked, but not in a way that I would think either, A, would be likely to keep working at this level. I don't think you can, like— consistently body up every shot you concede in the penalty area you got to be preventing shots in the penalty area and i don't think it's anything like what ragnik will want to do
1: yeah i think all of that is correct um now the next question that i would roll to is like do we have any idea how fast ragnik can can uh implement something i have no idea
0: No idea at all. And like what we, the histories that we have of pressing managers are kind of interesting that. Pressing managers, when they come in, you can very, very quickly see the effects of their ideas on sort of basic pressing st- rates. Opposition past completion, rates of breaking up play, uh, press- high pressures. All of these ch- can change very quickly when pressing managers come in. What pressing managers almost all to a person tend to say is that it takes them a long time to implement what they want. Right. And it's an interesting uh, divergence between the data and, the, um, and, and and the apparent experience. And, and, and I don't know to what degree its managers sort of like telling a story to give themselves more time. To what degree there are things that come out of breaking up play and the way you break up play that leads to higher levels of effectiveness that doesn't show up early. But I tend to think that we will see this team like pressing and breaking up play from a pretty early point. Like, that's what he does, and that's what pressing managers tend to do. How effective it is, maybe, is a a more open
1: question. Yeah, I think that 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 is a good way to look at it. I don't know. Like, And then I guess the next question is, like, he could just build a team from Mauricio Pochettino. Like, that to me seems like a match that works. Um, much more so than say Eric Ten Hag or Brendan Rodgers, for example, as the other names that are kind of being linked. Like if you were like, if you wanted to like bring in a guy who is going to be the general manager for Mauricio Pochettino, the manager, this seems like a really well-made match. Yeah, it, it
0: seems more or less perfect. Like Pochettino has all has always preferred to work with a director of football, although at, at Tottenham he got pretty picky. Like that, that I, <laughs> I could also see them fighting over this, I, I would, but I his would, style. Um,
1: I would perhaps say that Mauricio Pochettino has always said he would like to work with a director of football and that he likes to work with a director of football, but practically has not particularly acted as somebody who would like to work with a director of football.
0: Yeah, But if we're just talking about football styles, Pochettino's pressing style is very much, you know, he comes out of the, the, the Bielsa lineage rather than any of the others, pressing lineages. But his style is very much that the press functions first to shut down what the other team wants. That's yeah. what he did at Southampton. That's what he did at Tottenham. That's not what he does at PSG, but what the hell he is supposed to do. And I think that like th- there's a first principle there that you can easily see how they would be able to connect and understand each other's modes of, modes of playing football.
1: Yeah, I think that, that that's all right. Now, I like, I just have no sense of to what degree this is going to be successful for Manchester United. You know, like, there are a lot of clubs where they would make this hire and you'd be like, this is going to work. Like, maybe I'll be wrong, but I think this is going to work. Manchester United have not tried to hire somebody who can run a football team in forever. Like, they just haven't. I have no idea, like... If they have the capacity as as an organization to let somebody run a football team. I just don't know.
0: And the fact that they didn't give, like, the most qualified person in the entire world for a director of football job, the director of football job, is concerning.
1: It's also, like, unclear whether that's them or him. Because he's embarked on this whole sort of consulting thing. And it's, like, not clear whether they were, like... Whether he was like, well, I won't take the interim job. I'd like to be involved long term. And then they... And then he was like, but I don't really want to commit to United being a dumpster fire if I walk in the door and it's like, it's horrible. So, like, you can see why the terms of this being this way work for both of them. Just, like, I don't know. It could all, like, go very pear-shaped.
0: Yeah we will see to what degree he's going to be making transfer demands and how involved he'll be in in the transfer demands. We'll see what he does with the personnel. I think I know what he wants to do as a manager, and I think I have a very good idea of what he wants to do as a director of football. He, he you know, identifies youth and develops youth and and and, and develops systems. But how all of that is going to work at United, he's never done that coming into a team. With a big payroll, with a bunch of stars, with a system in place that is not clearly just, you know, there for him to reshape. Who knows? So I think we we expect him to start pressing. Beyond that, I have a huge, huge range of possibilities.
1: What I would say here is, like, lastly... um that's still a lot better than where they were with Ole, which is, like, when they brought in Ole as an interim manager to get to the end of the year, you were like, oh, that's nice. And then when they extended him, it was immediately, this is a terrible idea. And, yeah. and as it turned out, they, like, got one better year than you'd expect out of him, um, sort of for weird COVID reasons, probably, but... Um, but it was, like, abundantly clear that this is not going to be the future of United in a good, positive way. Whereas, like, this could, like, there is there is a real chance here that in five to ten years down the road, you look back and you're like, oh, the, the, the turning point for the Manchester United club of, of, you know, coming out of a decade of misery after Sir Alex left was the hiring of Ralph Rangnick in this moment. Like, that is at least on the table. Yeah, there, there's, there's upside in
0: this move that is basically as high as upside gets for a club. Yep. And I'm just somewhat less confident. And the downside is like where they are right now. They're Great. on the downside. So it's, it's all upside. The only question is how much of it is realized.
1: Yeah, there we go. All right. And we'll be back at some point with more podcasting of some variety.
0: Yeah, there's more Premier League. We might just like hit some more matches, but we'll see what happens. And we've got some uh, some, some mooses, some player mooses lined up, as well as potential studies. So, look for that coming down the pike. Cheers, y'all. Cheers.